Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good to talk to you. Well, if you, we haven't met, my name is Josh Mutter. I'm the lead pastor here at West Heights Community Church, and it is wonderful to be together this morning. Whether you are joining us online or you're here in person, we trust that this morning is an encouragement to your heart and that God will be speaking to us uh, in some way today, whether it be a conversation in the foyer or whether or not it's just some, it's a word from worship. Ainsley, that line, holy hope in your prayer, just captured me, and I'm going to be thinking about that, so thank you for that. Before we get into our announcements this morning, I want to share a prayer request that I'm hoping that when you go for lunch today and you sit down and you, I always say that prayers at mealtimes are the most disingenuous ones that we ever say, okay? Because we're just trying to eat. But this one, I'm asking that you make it a little bit more genuine than maybe normal. Some of you are like, they always matter, Josh. And I'm like, good for you, okay? <laughs> you are a better person than I am, okay? Um, but this one, for real, we have uh, about 14 of our junior highs that are a junior high retreat right now. 14 uh, kids plus their leaders. And they've had a wonderful time at Camp Cockwood this weekend. Great weather, but they've had a meaningful time together, growing in relationships with one another. And they're traveling home this afternoon. And so I'm asking that we be praying for them and praying for their leaders, <laughs> those leaders, wow, junior high retreat, you are a special, wonderful, godly human being to be on, on that retreat. And so we want to be praying for them and that, you know, the little things that they have picked up, the little hints of God's love and those little aha moments would stick. And so can we be praying for that uh, together? We can be praying for that together uh, this afternoon. Well, here at West Heights, the reason why we exist is to help people find and follow Jesus. And a key aspect of this, the key way that we know that it's important is through relationships, because relationships are transformational. And one of the ways that we can be helping this, growing in this relationship piece, is by these name tags that some of us are wearing right now. Uh, we know that, that those awkward moments in the foyer where we're like, ah, oh, I forget what that person's name can be a barrier to growing in relationships. And so, stick a name tag on. Um, and uh, some some of you have editorialized your name tag, and that's up to you. Uh, but a name tag is one way that we can help each other. We can be growing in relationships with one another. Another opportunity for some of us is to connect through our Secret Sister Initiative. Um, this is a fun way for women in our congregation to be uh, encouraging one another, praying for one another, and it's done in secret until the big reveal at the end of the year. And so if this is something that you are interested in, uh, you can sign up using the link from our newsletter, or there's a QR code. Is there... Which, we don't have a QR code. I was told there was a QR code, but no, we don't. Go to our newsletter. Uh, you will see that. You can sign up there. Um, this is just how we keep it real, folks. I tell you things, and then Sarah tells me that I got it wrong, and we're just we're open-handed with this type of stuff here, and that's good. Now, as a church community, one of the things that we do, one of the ways that we live out following Jesus is by meeting the practical needs of our neighbors. And I want to tell you a bit of a story before I get to the announcement portion here. Way back in the winter, we uh, reached out to the staff at the community center who run a hamper program, a weekly hamper program for those folks in our neighborhood who are having trouble, you know, having all the food and, and um, other resources that they and their families might need. They're having trouble making ends meet. We understand that there are insecurity issues in our region, and so there's a really good thing happening on a regular basis, and they're meeting about 90 families on a weekly basis, the needs of about 90 families. And so we reached out and we said, hey, what are the items that you need? You know, what do you always run out of? And they said, that's easy. It's diapers, diapers and baby wipes. We never have enough. And so we said, okay, we can help with that. And over the course of February, uh, we collected diapers and we had a generous donor who matched the donations and we gathered about 16,000 diapers and even more baby wipes, okay? It was incredible. If you went into the church office, you uh, would see this wall of diapers that was two, deep, uh, two, two uh, piles deep. 
Um, and it was incredible. We thought we'd never run out. And you know what? We haven't. It's been seven months, and they keep coming, and we still have diapers left. I think we have a before. That's the before picture, and that's the after picture. All right? We'll be able to make it to about eight, nine months here on that set of donations. That was awesome. That is one way that we are practically loving and taking care of our neighbors, and we're doing that because we are followers of Jesus. And so thank you for being a part of that. Well, to continue weaning into this, we are, again, running our Halloween for Hunger initiative. And so this, I want to spend a bunch of time talking about that right now. Because some of us, we've never heard of this before, and for others, we need a bit of a reminder. Halloween for Hunger is a food drive that we've been doing since 2007, where the week before Halloween, we drop about 1,000 uh, of these uh, donation bags attached with a, with a nice note uh, on it from us that says, hey, neighbors, if you would give us non-perishable food items and put it out on your doorstep on Halloween, we'll come back and we'll pick it up and we'll collect it for you. And so we, we do that every year. We drop about 1,000 of these, and then we go back and we pick them up, and then we bring all those donations back to the church. We box them up for the food bank. And, uh, and it's one way that we can be meeting a very real need, a food insecurity need in our region, and we're happy to do that. But here's the thing. It takes a lot of people to pull this off. Last year, we had about 90 volunteers. That was huge, but we were still kind of short. It would have been more fun. We could do it with 90. We could do it with 80. But it's more fun when there's more, okay? It is way more fun. And you know what? We are looking for any excuse to have fun together. And we can serve together, do good, and have fun at the same time. And so this morning, I want to just talk you through about the ways in which you can help. Because there's something here for everybody. See, we have about 1,000 of these bags. And we have 1,000 flyers. And we need some folks who would be willing to sit down. Maybe while you're watching TV. Or maybe you want to come into the office. And just... Count the bags, staple flyers to them, and then bring them back to us. That's something that needs to be done. Um, and so maybe that's something you might be able to do. And then we need teams of people. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your house church group. Maybe you just want the steps so you can win at Fitbit this week, whatever. You can, we need people to go and to deliver these, uh, all these bags to the houses. And if that's the homes um, be, the week before Halloween, usually it's about three or four days before Halloween, we want these delivered. Um, and that's something you can do on your own time. You can do that with others. And we will give you a street. We won't give you all 1,000, but we might give you a street of, like, here's 80 bags. And you just walk up and down the street and drop them off at the doorstep, and that's it. Um, then we, on, the, on Halloween night, we need people who will go door to door and collect the food. Uh, we need a whole bunch of people for that. And this one's a lot more fun when you have a lot more people, I'll tell you that. Um, and then we don't expect you to sh bring it back by yourself because you'd be going back and forth all the time. We need people who will drive, who volunteer to drive, to go around and to pick up the food, bring it back to the church where there's a team of people here who will be boxing it up and sorting it, making sure that everything that's going to the food bank is supposed to go to the food bank and then getting it all ready so that it can be, uh, it can be picked up in a couple days. And then, of course, maybe this is the most important job ever, we need people to provide snacks. Okay, so maybe, you know, walking up and down the street isn't your thing. Maybe stapling brochures, you're like, okay, I can do that. But maybe you're like, I've been looking to exercise the spiritual gift of baking. Here's your chance, folks, okay? And uh, we would love to have some people who'd be willing to help provide treats for our volunteers. Um, and last year, although this didn't make an announcement, last year one of the things we realized is like having a box of candy around because we had people who were trick-or-treating at the church. 
And we're like, here, here's a cookie. It would be nice if we could give the kids, you know, giving a cookie is a little sketchy, okay? <laughs> giving them a package, a package thing is much better. And so um, we have lots of ways that you can, vol- you can be a part of this. And so even this morning, if you go out and it's on the island behind the coffee area, there's, there's clipboards there where you can sign up. Um, or you could go online and if you click through to our blog, you will find a bit of a description about everything, all these you know, these different areas that you can volunteer. Um, maybe a little bit more information there than what I just said. And you can sign up that way too. And we hope that you will do this. You'll be hearing us talking about this over the next couple of weeks as we, as we get ourselves organized and ready. And I'll say that in a couple of weeks' time, we'll make some of these bags available too. So if you want to go fill your own bag and bring it, up, bring it here the week before, um, you can do that. We'll make sure that we have some bags available. Now, over the past few weeks, we have been exploring a series called uh, Peaceful Practices, and that is a a way that we were thinking about how can we live out Jesus' calling as peacemakers in our daily life. And so we've been working on that the last couple weeks. And the reality is, is that as Canadians, one of the ways that we can do this is through engaging in those calls to reconciliation with our indigenous neighbors. And indeed, we recognize that this is important because we acknowledge that the, the land that we're on right now belonged to them before settlers got here. And we recognize that the, the history of this country has, inclu- has included the mistreatment of our indigenous neighbors. We recognize this. And so one of the ways that we can grow as peacemakers is by becoming educated in in the history of our nation, the history of our indigenous neighbors. And so this afternoon is an opportunity for us to do this. And so we have the blanket exercise, the Kairos blanket exercise happening here this afternoon. And there's still space. If you haven't had a chance to sign up yet, you're still kind of thinking about it, there's still room. We have about 30 people signed up for it. It's an opportunity to experience and to learn about about our history and the history of our indigenous peoples and through learning and understanding we can become a part of this process of reconciliation we can be peacemakers in our country and so it starts at two o'clock this afternoon it goes right to five go home have some lunch come back we are not serving refreshments during that time because it is a learning experience and we and we just want to kind of get to it and stick to it Um, but we encourage you if you're kind of on the fence you've been thinking about it you can still sign up we'd like you to do that Um, yeah, it starts at 2 o'clock, and it'll be a good thing for us to do together as a community. Thank you to those who've already signed up. Now, as a part of this, uh, this process of learning what it means to be peacemakers, this morning we, we are actually hitting pause on our, on our series, but we've brought in a guest speaker. We have Scott Morton-Neomia, uh, who's from MCC. And uh, in talking with Scott, we kind of thought, hey, here's somebody who can help us continue to be learning about what does it mean to be a part of peacemaking, what does it mean to be a part of reconciliation, and can be supporting our learning journey right now. Come alongside us in this learning journey. And so, we're, Scott, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Scott was born and lives with his family here in Waterloo Region, and he is the Indigenous Neighbors Program Coordinator for MCC Ontario. And so, Scott, come on up, and we're happy to have you here this morning. Thanks, Josh. Oh, my microphone is on. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Um, I think my slides are coming up. My name is Scott Morton Ninomia. Great job pronouncing that. I didn't know how to say Ninomia the first time I saw it either. My wife and I combined our last names because that's something that folks in, over in the Mennonite Church Eastern Canada crowd were doing back in the day, um, back in the 90s. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's wonderful to be here. Uh, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. Take Romans 12, which is the scripture verse that I'm going to kind of root all of this in. Uh, on how, we, how do we take this on our reconciliation journeys. And that's, 
That's definitely a journey. It's not a process that happens overnight that you arrive at quickly. Um, so yes, my name's Scott Morton Inomia. I work with MCC. I've worked with MCC for a lot of years in different roles. Uh, I know that there are a lot of folks from MCC uh, who work with MCC right now uh, in your congregation. Almost none of them are here today. So <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that, but Mimi is here. So, and James worked with us as a summer student. So, uh, so before I go on about to anything else, next slide, please. I would love to uh, say thank you. Often people will, thank, will say thank you at the end of their presentation. I'll probably do that as well. Uh, I'm going to take note of the time as well, because I know I have 30 minutes of your time at the maximum. So, and I, don't, I, I appreciate that gift of time to me, and I don't want to be greedy with it. So uh, I want to say thank you for, to a, a whole bunch of thank yous just to start off here. First, I want to say thank you to the Creator God for this land. Uh, the worship band this morning was talking, but we're here in your glory. Every day that we're on this land that gives us life, we are in Creator's glory. So I want to say thank you uh, for that, first of all, uh, that we, we, we can't live without the land, we can't live without the water. This is uh, one thing that I've been reminded of countless times in my work with Indigenous teachers and just Indigenous people in general. This picture... Uh, was taken on the Grand River. Uh, my daughter's the one in the in the greenish kind of shirt, uh, uh, raincoat there. Uh, this was part of a water ceremony that we took part in, and we had there was a double rainbow that showed up. And it's just these are the kind of moments where we really, when you're there on the on the river, and it's a beautiful day, a beautiful fall day. I think this was, and the and a, a double rainbow shows up. Those are the times when you kind of really. Are feel it's easy to feel thankful and remember to be thankful for the land and the water. Uh, sometimes we, often we forget when we're inside buildings. We're still on the land right here. And I see that you have a beautiful, is this Sandrock Creek behind us here? There's a beautiful creek right there. So uh, thank you. I want to be, uh, express my gratitude for the land and the water. Uh, I want to express my gratitude to the indigenous uh, peoples whose territory we're on, uh, the original and ongoing stewards, the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and all the nations uh, under those two kind of umbrella nations, uh, and the Chinotan people who I don't know that much about, but want to say thank you to them as well. And I also want to say thank you to all of you for your time this morning and for, your, for listening. And I, I want to thank you for speaking to my heart already, especially the worship band singing to my heart. Um, I, I don't have, as you can see, I don't have notes for this presentation, so I wasn't spending my time thinking about what am I going to say when I get in front of them. That may become obvious as, as things go along here, but um, I do have a plan. But uh, I'm I want to speak from my heart, and I appreciate that you spoke to my heart. I've heard uh, the, the, the ceremony that's pictured here is led by Anishinaabe women, and they, they have a strong connection to the water. And they say that when your heart fills up, it sometimes comes out through your tears. And I was moved like pretty close to tears actually by the worship band this morning. So I could hear you speaking to my heart with, uh, with your words. Um, and uh, one of the, anyway, I'll just share this. That one of the things that the, that the worship band said to my heart this morning was that, um, you know, I don't know any of the song. I've, I'd never heard any of the songs that you sang, but I was able to sing along. I don't, I don't know if anything special is happening there, but I think what that says to me is that uh, the Creator God is big enough that, that God can speak in so many different ways, and we can hear it with our hearts. So anyway, um, 
just wanted to share that by way of saying thank you. And thank you also for your contributions and your engagement with Mennonite Central Committee as one part of the community, but just all of the different things. When Josh told me this morning in his office that you, you get 100 volunteers from your church to do uh, Halloween for hunger, that, like, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I was blown away by that. That's an incredible contribution to the community. So thank you for that. Um, next slide. What am I going to talk about today? I want to I root what I'm talking about in this scripture, which is, if I had to pick my favorite scripture verse, it would be this one. So it's, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And this comes from Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2. And uh, next, I'll tell you a little bit about how I'm going to break this down. I've got my three-point sermon kind of sorted out. So next slide, please. When you look at this, oh, actually, I'll tell you about that in a second. Yeah, that was, I've got them in a different order. I'll, I'll go with this slide and then go back to the other one. So thank you for whoever's thinking quickly on the slides. When I talk about Romans 12 too, uh, I want to, uh, Josh said we're going to hit pause on the, uh, on the peaceful practices. What I'm actually going to do, I listened to Josh's sermons on curiosity and discovery, and I'm going to try and weave some of those into my remarks so that you're not hitting pause, but rather... I'm weaving into what you're already talking about. Uh, so when it comes to Romans 12:2 on our reconciliation journeys, uh, sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that reconciliation is, is a place that we arrive at or that, you know, we go to the, the walk or we wear our orange shirt and there we are. There we've got reconciliation sorted out. That is never how it's going to work. It's a long process. It's a journey. We're all at different places on it. So I want to talk a little bit about how we can use these peaceful practices and root them in Romans 12 uh, to help inform that reconciliation journey that we're, that we're all on as as people living on this land. Uh, so first of all, the peaceful practice of curiosity. I want to connect that to this, this idea of unconforming ourselves. There's a lot of ideas that we've learned through our time. You know, if you're, if you're a white guy like me, there's things you've learned throughout your life that, uh, that, that I think are leading you, are leading me, I can speak for myself, leading me on a path that is just... It's, it's not, uh, it's not uh, a Jesus kind of path, let's say it that way. So curiosity around unconforming ourselves. Discovery, renewing our minds. So when we're, when we're curious, it helps us to renew our minds. And some of the songs we sang this morning spoke to that. And then connection. I heard Josh say this morning that transformation happens in community. Transformation happens when we're together. It's not something you can't sit at home and be like, I, just, I want to transform this thing in here. Like, you can't, that's not how transformation works. We transform together. So connection is the last piece that I want to talk about. So those are my three points, and I'm going to just speak from my heart and, and follow those three points along. So if you're a person who likes structure, I'm, I'm throwing that out for you, that there's three points here, and then you'll be like, I wonder what he's talking about now. I'm sure he'll come back to those three points, and I will, because they're built into the slides. So... Uh, Back to the other slide, thank you. Quick thinking slide person. As you are probably well aware, you saw a lot of orange shirts yesterday. Uh, today's October 1st, so that would make yesterday, September 30th, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, the third one that we've marked in Canada. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, uh, um, I am overwhelmed on that day because it's just, it's a day of, uh, just speaking from my perspective of the day, it's a day when I'm reminded of, number one, 
the power and the resilience of the resurgence of indigenous people on this land. And this is a really uh, strong, it's a really powerful example for me. This is the Every Child Matters crosswalk, which was just uh, commemorated or unveiled in Victoria Park in Kitchener uh, last year, around this time. And you can see walking across there, uh, Sheena Merling, who started the whole thing. She's in the ribbon skirt. I don't know how well you can see her. The tall guy beside her who has the Haudenosaunee feathers, uh, he, his, he's Kelly Curley. He's a survivor of the Mushhold, the Mohawk Institute, which is a residential school, the longest running residential school on this land. Uh, he, after the, after the, the commemoration ceremony was done, uh, he uh, walked off the stage and started randomly hugging people. And I happened to be the first person there, so I was hugged by a survivor on, it was, it was just before Truth and Reconciliation Day, but that was a powerful experience for me uh, that I can't even get into because there's so many things to it. Um, and then next to, next to Kelly Curley is Mayangan Henry, who's one of the lead elders at uh, University of Waterloo, a very highly respected elder in the community. And then on either side of them are the artist and her mom, the artist who designed this and her mom. There's all kinds of indigenous people from the community there. Uh, and, and there were lots of non-indigenous people as well. The last thing I'll say about this event and Truth and Reconciliation Day is that I've been really struck by uh, the presence and the what children have spoken to my heart and on Truth and Reconciliation Day. There's two examples of this. Uh, one was at this event where uh, as they were starting the event, there were a few people there and I was like, I hope a good crowd comes out. And just as I was thinking that, these like busloads of students started walking towards the stage where we were meeting and they were from schools across Waterloo Region and they were just so joyful and they came to listen. They were, it was such a powerful moment and because, um, and I forget the Bible verse from your sermon last week, Josh, I'll put you on the spot here around being like children, uh, like the importance of being like children. And I thought these kids that are coming here and they, 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 they get this. The other, the other example that comes to mind right away is on Truth and Reconciliation Day last year, we walked from Healing of the Seven Generations on Frederick Street over to Victoria Park. Maybe some of you joined that. And as we walked past Sudaby School, every kid in that school was out on the road and they were cheering like it was a parade. And I, I looked at the faces of some of the survivors and they were just, uh, I don't know, what the, is there a word for the look on their face? They were, you could tell that they, it just was uh, filling their hearts to see these kids out there and cheering for survivors. And uh, I just thought, you know, imagine even a generation ago or less like, we've come a long way, and these kids, by just, by, by speaking from their heart like that to these survivors, uh, anyway, when, when we say, let's be like children, I think, let's be like those kids that showed up and just showed their love for people, and, and we're open to learning about, this is what happened, let's never forget it, and let's make, let's, let's try and build a better world together. Uh, so that's Truth and Reconciliation Day. I didn't want to not mention that today. Um, so next, I think I'm getting into some... Uh, oh, yeah. So connecting this reconciliation journey, I, one of the things that I really want to talk about is just this, this connection that the, the journey of reconciliation with First Peoples on this land as Christians 
Uh, and there may be some folks with indigenous, who, who belong to indigenous nations in the room today. I'm not excluding you from this. But uh, just speaking for myself as a, as a non-indigenous, a settler person on this land, um, I think it's really important for us to see this as part of our discipleship walk. And I just took part uh, a couple weeks ago in the Grand River Water Walk, the All Nations Grand River Water Walk. So all nations are invited, including non-indigenous nations, are invited to this walk. And this, this rock that I have here is part of that. I'll get to that story a bit later. Uh, but the, my friend Phil Martin, who, and I heard that, uh, wait, your first name is Michelle, right? No, yeah, okay. Uh, I just met Josh's wife, Michelle, and Josh told me that she is a Martin from way back, and my wife's people are like Gingrichs and Weebers and Ebies and all those people, so there's, we could play, I'm sure we could play the Mennonite game. Phil Martin is one of those Martins, maybe related to Michelle, I don't know, very distantly. Uh, and on the, as part of the water walk, at the very end, he was one of the, one of the key helpers. He drove along behind the walkers uh, as they, they walk all the way from the headwaters to the mouth of, of the Grand River, which is about 220 kilometers. It's an Anishinaabe ceremony. Uh, it's kind of like a sacred relay, if you will, where there's usually a man carrying the eagle staff, which we'll talk about later, and a woman carrying the pail of water. And it's a ceremony that is dedicated to the water. And nobody is praying to the water. The water is recognized as a gift from Creator. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a sign of respect and love for the water, which gives us life. Um, Phil was one of, the, one of the key helpers who was invited to be part of this. And he said something so powerful. He said, joining the water walk helps me become a better Mennonite. So I thought, you know, I could talk about that for a long time. But I just wanted to put that there as a a way of saying that Phil is a Mennonite, he's a Martin from way back, he's got these, his strong beliefs, he's got his conviction, he's at Breslau Mennonite Church, and he brings all of that proudly to the walk and, and uses that as an opportunity to become a better Mennonite and serve, you know, in the name of Christ like we do at, at MCC as part of this water walk. So I better keep moving along. Uh, so next slide, please. So curiosity. Uh, I think when we enter into this space of reconciliation, as we know, there's, there's a lot of baggage, there's a lot of hurt. Uh, you know, Truth and Reconciliation Day, we're always talking about, as we should be, about the past and about the hurt that continues to this day and the legacy. And it's not, it's not only about that, it's about um, being curious, I think, about how we can make things better as well. So in Luke uh, 8, 18, Jesus talks about being careful how you listen. And in, in I, when I listened to Josh's sermon from the last two weeks, he said some really important things there about the importance of, of the way that you listen. Sometimes when we meet people who are different from us or where there is this baggage or this hard, like to say that it's a hard history, that it's a difficult history is putting it very mildly. So we might come into those conversations with our backup or like, I, like I'm not the architect of residential schools. This isn't, why do I have to be remembering this all the time? But to, to come to this with curiosity and to come with open hearts and to be careful how we listen to when Indigenous people are sharing their stories uh, of hurt and harm and uh, that not, not hearing only that hurt and harm but also hearing the strength uh, that's one of the things that I love the best about my job is, is uh, being, uh, learning about the strength, the resilience, the resurgence of Indigenous people and all the things they're doing uh, on this land right now. So curiosity. Uh, and 
it, anyway, that's all I'll say about curiosity for now. Uh, next, this is connecting this, this um, be, being careful how you listen uh, to some indigenous teachings I've heard from Clarence Kakaji. He's the founder and visionary of Crochet Lodge, which is a local uh, indigenous-led organization. They're dedicated to healing, reconciliation, teaching, and land stewardship. Those are the four pillars. And this is him at, our, at the MCC Peace Conference in 2022, last year in November. He often talks about this distance that we travel from our head to our heart. And this is, this is he says, uh, he's, he's doing it right here. He's talking about this distance is one of the longest distances we can travel because often we want to stay in our head. We want to win the argument. We want to learn, you know, the intellectual. And that's good. Like, in, learning with your head is good. But then how we really, what, the times we can listen is when we move to our heart. And we're not just hearing about, you know, uh, I don't know, Haldeman Tract was like 1783 and Tuor Wampum was offered in 1613. Like these are, you can remember all these facts. Or how do I pronounce Haudenosaunee or Anishinaabe? Those are important things, but when we move to the heart, that's where we can make, we can really listen to what, what indigenous people are saying to us. And that's when we start to learn uh, do the kind of learning that helps us to transform, which I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but that's, that's a bit about curiosity. Next, I want to talk about, I believe, I'm talking about discovery next. The word discovery has, as you can imagine, a lot of baggage for Indigenous people. Like, you know, Columbus came here and he discovered America or this, you know, Turtle Island in 1492. So discovery... Um, you know, there's a lot of baggage there. But I, for me, discovery is about uh, discovering more about ourselves as non-Indigenous people and how uh, to... Well, I've got the, the Psalm 51 right there. Renew a right spirit within me. How do we renew a spirit within us and learn more about ourselves? Uh, and, and what do we need to change in our hearts when we're listening to, uh, to, help, discover, to help reconciliation to happen? So the next slide is all about uh, discovery. So one of the key things, that, one of the key pieces of discovery for us as non-Indigenous people on this land, together with Indigenous people, is about rediscovering our place on this land. And you already saw a picture from the water ceremony, which is led by Anishinaabe women. On, uh, this, this is actually right out at the end of Ottawa Street, and they welcome people to join them uh, for these. They do them every month. There's one coming up in next weekend, and then in November and December. Uh, this is, so the woman with her back to us with the, in the, with the raincoat on is my daughter, Maya, and she's listening to some teachings about the water from Lori Miner, who's one of the water walkers that, she's one of the lead walkers for the All Nations Grand River Water Walk. She also leads water ceremonies every week, every month, like I say, on the Grand River. And so this, I was really excited about this, uh, and so I took a picture, of course, because I'm a dad. And uh, my kids are always like, Dad, why do you take so many pictures? But it's partly so I can get shots like this to use in sermons. Um, and so th this is my daughter uh, just kind of demonstrating this idea of, you know, listening to an indigenous person like Lori talk about their understanding of the water and the water as a gift from creator that deserves and needs our respect and our protection. So, and, and as, you know, as non-Indigenous people, I think it's important for us to, to rediscover our place on this land and what does that mean to take care of this land 
Uh, again, another like 20 sermons in and of itself. But that's, that's how I see discovery. And I better keep rolling. So next slide, please, is connection. So like Josh said, uh, the, and, and to go back to the main, the main scripture verse, so we've got uh, uh, the scripture is, to remind myself as well what it is, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So uh, when, we are, when we are curious, our minds are open so that we're not conforming to this world and some of the things that it tells us. Uh, when we are in discovery mode, we uh, are learning, we're more open to, uh, the, to our minds being renewed and the ways of thinking and the ways of knowing that we have being renewed. And this transformation piece, like, we were ta- like, like Josh was talking about earlier, happens in connection. And the ways that, that it's happened for me has been uh, coming with an open mind and, uh, like I say here, showing up, walking behind, taking time, and building trust. And so this picture shows the very end of the All Nations Grand River Water Walk when we are, we're almost at Lake Erie here, actually. And uh, I, was, I showed up, I was there for different parts of the walk, and uh, I just tried to be helpful. And there were, there were so many different learnings for this, for me on this walk. Uh, walking behind and taking your time was really important. Uh, sometimes we want to rush right to, you know, teach me everything I need to know so I can make reconciliation happen. Even at this stage in my journey, and I'm like, I think I'm like in, on, still on step one of my journey sometimes. Uh, the, like I said, this, this water walk is like a, a holy, uh, a kind of sacred relay. And so the Eagle Staff, that, that's me actually carrying the Eagle Staff, which I'm getting to in a minute. And Marianne, who's the leader of the walk, is carrying the pail in the, in the front with the water in it. And uh, when you do the relay, the water always gets transferred first to the next woman uh, in the relay. And it's always the, wa- the woman carrying the water. And then the man takes the staff from the, other, from the other man, or sometimes a woman who's carrying it. And I wanted to rush in and take my role. Like, I want, I'm here to protect the water and protect the woman. I kept rushing forward to grab the staff. And the, the, the guy, I was often taking it from Mike, who's an indigenous man, and he'd be walking along with the staff, and I'd come up, and I'd reach out for the staff, and he, like, took it away. I was like, oh, Mike, the staff. And he said, water first. He kept reminding me the water gets transferred first. And so this was a reminder to me that sometimes we can jump in and we're like, I want to help, I want to do, and that you have to wait, water first. Let's do this in a good way. So doing things in a good way is really important. And so that was, and it looks different all the time. People sometimes say, what do you mean doing in a good way? But that was a teaching for me around how to do things in a good way. Take your time, watch what's happening. Let the water get transferred first and then take the staff and walk behind. So keep learning and listening is, is this, and, and that's, that's part of building trust. And so what I'm, what I'm going for here in terms of connection and building trust is in this last leg of the journey, the very final leg, uh, I was one of the community walkers, as they say. I wasn't carrying the staff or the pail. I was just hanging out behind, making sure that traffic was getting around safely. And then as we're a few hundred meters from the end, so the person carrying the staff says, Scott, after the tracks, I'm handing the staff to you. Huge honor, complete surprise. I wasn't expecting it because this is one of the most sacred parts of the journey, as I, I think. That's the, that's the sense that I get. So, um, and I ended up being the one carrying the staff. And it was, it was definitely because Marianne said, 
give the, Scott, the, the staff to Scott. I'm not saying this as like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a, I was just there stumbling along trying to figure out what I was doing. And I, I was like, please don't lose it, Scott. Please do this right. Like you're carrying the Eagle staff. Um, so I'm not the hero of the story, but the, the point of the story is that in showing up and walking behind, taking my time and building that trust, that's how I got to that stage. And I've been part of this walk for a couple of years now. So when we go into this work of reconciliation, we need to come at it with that attitude that we, we show up. You know, the first few times it's just showing up and, and building that trust and, and taking that time so that we get to the point, and you know, this is just another step on the journey, but it was another teaching to me around the importance of uh, all these things that I'm mentioning here. So next slide, please, is about connection. Uh, Another, oh, actually, the reason you might, might be wondering why this rock is here. This is the rock that was at the shore of Lake Erie when, I, uh, when, we put the, when Marianne put the water into, the, into Lake Erie at the end of our journey. So I'm, uh, I keep this rock here to keep me a little grounded and remind me of that moment. Um, the last thing I'll say about connection is that connections, in my experience, as it says here, are built on uh, an abundance of grace. I've been able, I've been lucky in my work to be part of a lot of different things. And uh, this is the TP, one of the TPs at Crow Shield Lodge at their, the site here in Kitchener. Uh, I was there when they put the TP up, I was helping carrying the, the poles and all that stuff. And because they were like, who's the tallest guy here? Scott, take this rope. And like, I was walking around the TP like this, my shoulder was burning and I was the, at the very top where all of the things come together, which is a connection point. Uh, they have to, you have to put a rope around that and I was going around and I was trying to follow what they were telling me. And then I, I did it, and then I was at Crochet Lodge about six months later, and I was telling my colleague, Lori, like, I helped them put the, the rope around the top there, and I was so proud, and Clarence, who's the leader at Crochet Lodge, said, yeah, Scott, we had to redo it. So um, <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, that's... Uh, so, like, coming back to the humility, but the fact that he... And he was laughing about it, so the fact that he was like yeah, I can drop this on Scott and his feelings won't be hurt because we've got this connection that we've built over several years of working together. So being ready to do things wrong, like I'm still doing, is, is another part of this because I know that this can be really terrifying work. Like I, I do this stuff every day and when I wade into conversations and relationships with Indigenous people, I'm still terrified sometimes because I'm like, I'm going to do something wrong, like I did with the teepee out at Crochia Lodge. Luckily, it didn't collapse. But I think, uh, so, but making these connections is important, and so I think we have to have a little bit of courage, and I'm not saying maraud in and do it, you know, it's fine if you do everything wrong. I'm not, that, that's not what I'm saying, but be ready to be corrected or to sit to, for someone to say, yeah, we had to redo that, Scott. And it's not the end of the world. So um, uh, let's keep rolling along because we're almost out of time. Starting places for your journey. There's lots of different ways. You don't have to be working with MCC like I am. I, I, I consider it a huge privilege that I get to do this work all the time. I know that not everyone has that kind of time and you're kind of fitting this in among the rest of your lives, which I know is, is challenging. I have three kids. I have all the things. So I know that you can't um, just drop everything and do this. Uh, I've got seven ideas for you that I'll talk to you about really briefly. One is doing the blanket exercise, which is happening t today here at 2 p.m. We offer that pretty regularly, so if you can't make it to this, like, make it to this one if you, if you at all can. Um, 
we do offer it again. Uh, digging into some learning resources, we have a lot. Uh, there are good places to start. Doing some reading at the beginning is a great thing. Uh, attending local Indigenous-led events, there are, of course, plenty on uh, September 30th, but there are a lot that come up. Uh, social media is a great place to find out about what Indigenous folks are up to. There is, uh, I don't know if you, if you have heard of the, uh, the Willow River Center uh, that's opening in downtown Kitchener. That's the open house for that is on October 7th. So if you want more information about that, you can look them up on Facebook and find them that way. Uh, Register for Peace Conference, that's uh, an MCC-led event which is happening in Kitchener at Rockaway Mennonite Collegiate this November. That'll be with, um, we have a guest speaker coming in, her name is Amber Nakaji. She's a Cree woman from, I forget which community she's from, uh, but she's with Meshkegwa Council and she'll be talking about food sovereignty and the impact of climate change on food sovereignty in the North. So that's an opportunity where someone from the North, an Indigenous person is coming right to your hometown to speak about that. You can register for that conference. It's November 19th. Uh, connecting with local Indigenous groups. So going to an Indigenous-led event is one thing. Connecting directly with Indigenous-led groups like Willow River, uh, sorry, not that, uh, that's Land Back Kitchener that has Willow River Center. Uh, Crow Shield Lodge, the All Nations Water Walk. There are a whole bunch of different uh, local organizations you can connect with and maybe just find out how you can help and then start your journey of showing up at events, listening, uh, seeing what you can do to help them out, uh, and then, and then you know, doing what you say you're gonna do is important as well. So I can, and if that's something that you wanna do, I'm, I'm happy to help you make some initial connections there. Uh, we have a learning tour that MCC offers in Timmins where we meet with indigenous partners. Uh, that's about a five day commitment because it's 10 hour, a 10 hour drive up to Timmins. Uh, so if that's something you'd be open to, uh, we could organize that with your church or with a group. Um, if Timmins is not in the cards for you right away, because I know it's not always possible to take five days and, and drive all that way, we are developing a watershed learning tour where, there, as I say, there are lots of different Indigenous organizations locally that we can help you through MCC to get connected to. And, uh, you know, Crow Shield Lodge has a, a three-hour session that they do on a regular basis. We could connect you there to do that. Uh, anyway, it, it would be a series of different events locally that are like an hour drive or less away, and it would be a Saturday commitment, and you could do a series of those as opposed to going to Timmins. Uh, or you could do that series locally and then go to Timmins at a later date when it works for you. So those are some of the starting places on your journey. And I also have my notes here to mention, we have a, there's a play coming up this, it is already October, October 12th and 15th, we have We Own This Now that is sponsored by MCC. Tickets are only $15 for adults, $10 for students. And it's coming up on those days that I mentioned. One of the, one of the showings is at uh, Rockway Mennonite Collegiate, which is really close. The other is at Steinman Mennonite Church. So if you want to find out more about that, check the MCC website, look up We Own This Now, and you can get your tickets there. Uh, I think that is all I have to say. I'm just going to end with my last slide, which is uh, an invitation on a reconciliation journey rooted in Romans 12 that I've kind of outlined for you today. I love this slide because it's just a beautiful picture overall. And uh, this is, Rebecca Sealing is on the right, and uh, she is a former coworker of mine, and uh, 
she, so this is three generations. This is Rebecca's mom, Jeanette, her daughter, Eden, and they worked on this quilt, which is gonna be, which after this was shipped north to Quilts for Survivors, which I can tell you more about later because I'm running out of time. But the reason I show this is A, it's a beautiful picture. B, uh, sometimes people say, well, where do I start because I'm too young? Well, Eden is like 17 years old in this picture, or I'm too busy, like I'm in the Sanders generation. Well, Rebecca, like, hello, she knows all about that. Or like, you know, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting too old for this. Well, Jeanette, I won't say her, I don't know her age, but she's definitely uh, like, you know, she's a grandmother. So uh, it's, you're never too young, you're never too old, you're never too busy to start your reconciliation journey. So I just want to invite you on that journey and say thank you very much.